0: Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and as always, plenty of entertainment. How is it the end of June? This year is flying. I can't believe it's almost July. What a busy year it has already been, and it's about to get busier as I get into the meaty part of the announcing season. I cannot wait. I'm off to Ironman UK in Bolton this weekend and I can't wait to meet the athletes and get race day Sunday underway. If you are racing this weekend, please do get in touch and let me know. For those of you racing an Ironman or Ironman 70.3 this year, be sure to check out the Help, I'm racing an Ironman series on www.trytalkingsport.com under the Performance Hub tab. The first two articles cover checklists, registration, packing and racking, the things that cause lots of stress and headaches, for first timers or even well seasoned triathletes we had a huge response to the podcast with Galway power rower Katie O'Brien in the last episode who has since gone on to win gold at the world cup in Poland in the PR2 singles category and she set a new world record in the process if you haven't tuned into that episode it's definitely worth a listen there has been so much good news in endurance sports since the last episode almost too much to mention without leaving something out so here are some of my highlights Congratulations and well done to Joe Barr in the Race Across West in the States, finishing fourth overall and with a time of 68 hours and 53 minutes, he broke the age category record by a massive five hours and three minutes. Well done to Joe, Jill and all the crew. Congratulations also to Team Aspect from Kilkenny, who finished in third position in the Race Across America over the weekend. Unfortunately, Graham Macken was forced to withdraw from his solo effort in RAM due to medical issues, but... I have no doubt he will be back again in the future and he also probably has another challenge already up his sleeve on the cards for the coming months. Closer to home, congratulations to the riders in the Transatlantic Challenge that took place earlier this month. They deserve serious kudos for battling the elements and the distance in this epic endurance race along the Wild Atlantic Way. Well done also to everyone who took part in the Western Challenge in Galway with special mentions to my fellow Galway-based cycling club members Martin Divley, who won the 525k race unsupported and Sean Hernan who was a very close second on the day. Ronan Burke won the 300k supported race whilst Mary Corliss from Tume hammered the 300k course unsupported in fine style and with lots of other great results from the event well done to all of the riders Former guest on the podcast Cormac Ryan has just cycled unsupported across the states having battled an eating disorder and overcome it only last year he set about this challenge to raise awareness and funds for BodyWise through his hashtag project Educate Well done Cormac Go listen to his story of a cycling adventure from Ackle to Athens from last year on the podcast, episode number 69. It is an eye-opener and fascinating. It is so good to see sport is definitely back and back with a bang. And with the Ross and National Road and TT races taking place last week, the cycling was immense. The Tour de France kicks off this Friday and we definitely can't wait to watch that. Plus, the running and triathlon seasons are both in full swing with lots of races already completed for 2022. It's a jam packed calendar ahead for the next few weeks at home and abroad. It's just so great. If only the weather picked up, it might feel like we have a summer of racing rather than a winter season of warm rain and wild winds. Hopefully July and August will bring brighter days and sunnier weather, although I'm not going to hold my breath. But I do have my fingers and toes crossed. So now to this week's episode with a very special focus on the Mondello 24 cycle which took place across the weekend of the 18th and 19th of June at the Mondello racetrack in Kildare. 24 hours of cycling around the approximately 3.4k track. Riders could race as a solo, a pair in a four or eight person team. I was thrilled, but slightly apprehensive, to have been selected as a rider for the Cycling Ireland Women's Commission, who had entered a team of eight riders from across a diverse background of ability and experience into the event. In this episode, you will meet our team of riders, Emma, Keela, Sharon, Hannah, Dervila, Laura and Grace, along with our team managers, Alison and Colin, who share lots of insight to our weekend of racing, from the build-up and training to logistics, fueling, racing full gas, recovery and, of course, the crack from the track. I can tell you now, it was one of the best weekends of the year so far. As you will hear on the show, the cycling was intense, but the laughter and camaraderie was mighty. We had a great weekend of fun, friendship and fast racing. Before we get into sharing our story from the inside track, a big shout out to all the riders and their crew who supported them to take part in the second edition of Mondello 24. I'm not sure what gods Oisín and Roddy from Mondello prayed to, but they must have had the child of Prague out all year as we had almost race perfect weather with the exception of some wind that was less than ideal. But by comparison to the weather for the event in October last year, we had a heatwave on that track. The event this year was just as exciting as the October edition and with lots of riders returning to test their metal over 24 hours as a solo or two-person team, having participated in larger teams last year, others participated for the very first time this year and embraced the challenge that lay ahead. Congratulations to everyone who took part in the event with a special mention to the solo riders and especially all the girls racing solo at the event. Shout out to my fellow Galway Babes rider, the machine Karen Cassidy, who retained her crown as the Queen of the Track for 2022, finishing 10th overall in the solo race, clocking up 631.52 kilometres across the 24 hours, breaking her own previous record by over 30k. Winner of the men's solo event was Lindsay McRae who took top honours completing 226 laps of Mondello Park for an 8 lap winning margin over Portadown cycling club's Joel Kerr. It was an epic battle to witness in the closing hours of the race. There was great excitement on and off the track this year. I was thrilled to be able to be on both sides of the track as a rider and as part of the Mondello crew announcing the event and also taking over their Instagram for the 24 hours. There was lots of talking and cycling done over the weekend. Aside from the highlight of racing the event, my highlight was the buzz and excitement in the closing minutes of the race as riders rounded the final turn to make it out on the last lap before the checkered flag came down. If the racing on the track hadn't worn me out, the excitement and sheer emotion on the finish line cheering on the riders had me completely spent. If anyone tuning into the show is interested in taking part next year, please get in touch and we'll share more insight and tips on how to enjoy rather than endure the super ultra cycling event. And before I forget, a big shout out to our Tri Talking Sport partners, NuaSan, who treated our cycling team to a gift package of skin and body care products, which I can tell you we all enjoyed during and after the race. Be sure to check out the products on www.nuaSan.com and use the code TTS15 to get a 15% discount on their product range. Well done again to everyone who raced. It was a pleasure to share the track and the experience with you all. Roll on Mondello 24 2023. Now go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. I've got my Women's Cycling Commission teammates with me, the managers of our team, and we are fresh from 24 hours of racing around the track at the Mondello 24. Joining us for today's episode, we have our team managers, Colin and Alison. We also have riders, Emma, Keela, Laura, Dervila, Sharon, Grace, myself. And to kickstart us, I'm going to go straight away to the chairperson of the Women's Commission, Colin, and ask him to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about his role and his background in cycling.
1: Hi, Joanne. Uh, great to be here. I am a leisure cyclist and I've been cycling probably for about the last uh, 10 years, uh, based in a small club called Inspiration Cycling Club in Dunboyne. I'm personally originally from, uh, from Dublin. And I really got involved in cycling as a result of a charity cycling work quite a number of years ago. And uh, that led me to uh, ultimately to the place that I'm at today by, you know, actively volunteering probably over the last five or six years. You know, the Women's Commission is there as part of Cycling Ireland. And its mandate is to um, work to encourage women into the sport at all levels of the sport in all disciplines. You know, hence that culminated for uh, for our involvement in uh, in the team that we created and brought together for uh, for the first time. We tried to do Mondello Twenty Four.
0: I'm going to jump across to Alison, your co-manager uh, for the weekend, and let Alison tell us a little bit about herself.
2: My name is Alison Smith. Um, I've been in the cycling industry for the last 35 years. Um, my children started to cycle with Navan Road Club. Um, when they were 8 9 10 years of age and currently we have Emma who is still cycling um as a junior i am the Leinster uh, rep for the women's commission but dealing basically with a lot of the races and going being uh, there for the the women and the um at, at all of the races so we are and uh, helping them out if they have any any problems and and we're there to support them at all times.
0: Brilliant so we will come back and talk to both of you uh, individually in a few minutes but I'd love for our riders to introduce themselves and Grace because you're in the top left hand corner of my screen I'm going to come to you first so Grace tell us a little bit about your journey in cycling and why you signed up to Mondello 24.
3: Uh, how are you, Joanne? Um, yeah, so I started cycling about three years ago. Um, it was actually one of my um, gym clients. So I run like an online and um, actual real life gym um, for women only. And one of them said it'd be good crack for me to try a sportive. So I was like, yeah, that will be good crack. Did 40 mass sportif and then bought a bike the week, a week later. So <laughs> got hooked really quick. Got into racing really quick um, and so I've been sort of like in and out of racing over the last three years or so like um, obviously with COVID um, and uh, like nine years ago I lost like 150 pounds so for me cycling is a really nice way to kind of see what my body is capable of something that you know nearly a decade ago I never would have thought was actually possible and um, so like I signed up for Mandela because I love a challenge, I love doing crazy stuff and it definitely was crazy Um, and I love the team environment and I worked uh, with some of the girls and with the team managers last year in Newcastle West the stage race and as we were saying at Mondello it was like one of the one of the best things if not the best thing I've done sporting wise and had an absolute blast so when I seen this come up again uh, for the women's commission I was like all over it so yeah I was super super pleased to get selected for the team.
0: And then Keela, we'll come to you next. And you have a very special bond with your team manager. Was that difficult
4: having your dad uh, join you as part of the team? Um, it was, and it wasn't. Like, on the one hand, like, obviously, like, I got a lot of support from my dad. But then sometimes we end up killing each other. But, you know, sometimes he winds me up on purpose. But then I go faster. So, you know, like, it's all good. Uh, I guess, like, I'm a track cyclist, so i mostly spend most of my time on the velodrome and like grace like i've been involved in the on women's missions teams before Um, i've went to manchester twice representing the women's commission on the track over there and then like grace i was involved in the newcastle west stage race and then i did the ross as well last year so it's always like really good crack and like really well um run and we get so much support so when i saw this again Like Grace, I was like, yes, definitely want to sign up and give it a good go because I saw Mondello 24 on last year and I thought it looked like great crack. So I was like, oh, yeah, like I'd love to see what I'd be able to do on that. So signed up, gave it a good go. And yeah, it was great. And gave it a good go and had the fastest lap of the whole 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was great. Um, Special shout out to Inspire Repeat Socks because they were the um, company that organized the fastest lap um, prizes and yeah as soon as I saw that on Facebook I was like right I need those socks because they are the best socks going so uh, yeah I just uh, smashed it for one of the laps and yeah lucky enough held it for the whole day then and of course, uh, five riders
0: from the team actually had uh, top 10 fastest splits across the weekend. So absolutely fantastic. Uh, Sharon, I'm going to come to you next and let's hear a little bit about your background in cycling. I know we met years ago for the very first time as part of the, the Giro de Gixo. Um, But why did you uh, get involved in this event particularly and why did you apply to join the team?
5: I started cycling, I suppose, about five years ago. Um, I had been a runner and used to run a lot of half marathons and found myself on an adventure race that had a cycling element to it. And a canoe. I think we'd go around the lake a couple of times. But I fell onto the bike that day, and I've never ran since. So it's it's just cycling that I do now. It's I I, I couldn't believe how much I loved it. I joined a leisure um, cycling club, and I stayed with them for about two years. But I've always had. Um, a mad competitive side to me I want to win and I'm looking for the bling and you know the medals and all, all of that kind of thing so I, I um, joined a racing club Greenmount Cycling Academy in Limerick and I've been with them for the last two years so I race pretty much a lot of road racing crits and TTs and that. But I've done some endurance work like yourself when we met. Um, I suppose it was about five years ago now And we did the Galway to Dublin and back to Galway again. And I've done an Eversting Challenge and I've done Mallon to Mizzen. And I applied to the Women's Commission for this one initially to see if I was good enough to get on the team, to be very honest with you. Um, that w- that was the first thing that drew me to it. The second thing was the fact that it was a team of eight women. And I just I was drawn to racing as part of a team and meeting other girls and tactically trying to win it. And that, that side of it really fascinated me. And again, to win it was was one of the other reasons I applied. So and I'm delighted that I got to be part of it. You,
0: you and I are the 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 elders of the group, uh, the oldest riders. We'll talk about that later on. The most senior, maybe we'll say yes. <laughs> uh, Dervla Diesel Dervla and Diesel Dervla's Diaries, a recent advocate and recent cyclist, but
6: absolutely loving it. That's it, yeah. Um, Gaelic popular background. COVID hit twenty twenty. I seen a local coach to fifty k come up, so decided to put on my big gear pants that day and. Meet new people and do new things. Um, Done that. There was a five, six week program and and then totally lost the plot after that. Ended up signing up to Eiffel Determine, which was going to Paris and cycling home over four days, which we covered 555 kilometers. Best crack we ever had, all for charity. We raised over £65,000. Cycled. The biggest spin was a spin up from Dublin. So we left the docks in Dublin at 11 o'clock. That, that day after getting off the boat from Paris, Throne were playing Croke Park at the time. The streets are full of throne supporters there. Come on! All of us going through and the motorbikes in front of us and a, a van in front with beacons and all. It was just brilliant. I've never experienced anything like it. So why did you sign up to Mondello? Um, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to know where, where I stood with people across the country. Um, we have a relatively new club there, Infinity Cycling and, and Six Mile Cross thrown. I'm only used to riding with novice riders, same as myself, as what I was. But I wanted to challenge myself, see how I sit with the elite, as I call my other teammates there, because they're 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 right up there. Um, and the fact of going around Mondello track just was mad, It was like absolutely signed me up now. We'll come back to the madness of cycling around the track for twenty four hours. But before we do,
0: I'm going to pop down to Laura uh, to uh, to talk to us. Well, I've
7: been cycling since. 2018 is when I joined the cycling club. But I have a bit of a different background than the rest. As a kid, I was not into sports at all. Never played sport. No interest in it. was no use of it. All I did was play a piano when I was a kid. So um, I'm, I'm not, a, I wasn't a naturally sporty person at all. Um, but I, I got, I bought myself a bike and I joined the cycling club. And I just loved it. Just loved it from, from the start. The sense of freedom. And everything not abroad was just fantastic. Now, the type of cycling that I do is uh, more leisure cycling, shall we say. Um, and definitely not flat roads. When well, I lived, there's such a thing as a flat road. Now, there's no mountains either. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm from Mon and I live in Cavan, But it's all road and hills. So this is what I couldn't get over Mondello. I was like, there's no freewheeling on this track. Where's the freewheeling? <laughs> so it was, it was a very different experience for me, shall we say. A bit of a baptism of fire and why I joined up look I just saw it advertised on Facebook and I said I said sure God I may as well go for it I've nothing to lose now I never in a million million years thought that I'd actually be selected because I'm not near good enough but uh, by some sort of grace of God I got got the chance I have to say it really was a big eye-opener for me and I learned a hell of a lot over the weekend that's for sure
0: Emma, our baby of the group, our TikTok influencer. She was trying to get us all on TikTok across the weekend. She was giving Keela a run for her money on the track for the fastest lap as well. Um, we have fabulous pictures of the two girls taking a little nana nap on multiple occasions. And there's something about drinking beans out of a cup that we'll come back
8: to. But before we do all of that, Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so, yeah, I'm the youngest rider. I'm 17. My background in cycling would be from like a young age. We all of my sisters, we all did a lot of sports. Um and then through primary school, one of my friends started cycling in Navarro Club, like the Sprocket Rocket. So I wanted to do it because she was doing it. Um, and then from then on we just we just kept going. And then I started racing competitively. Um, when I was under 14. I was never really that good at it until I got to under 16. Um, and like I just wanted to do Mondello because like I ride for a women's commission a couple of times and I thought it was quite good. And then my best friend Keela was doing it, so I had to do it. And of course, your mom Alison uh, was one of
0: our team managers. And similar question for you that I put to Keela. Was it a bit strange having your mom there, or was it, was it good, or did she kill each other?
8: No, like me and mommy kind of do our own thing. Like she's my manager through everything, like school, cycling, like she's never off my back. So it wasn't wasn't really that different. <laughs>
0: So that's the introduction to all of our riders with the exception of Hannah. I'm going to come back and I'd like to talk to Colin and Alison because I, although we've all our separate reasons for signing up to Mondello, I guess that the first question I have is why did you decide to put a team into the Mondello 24 race?
1: I think, Joanne, the reason was myself and Keela had gone and done training nights there because uh, Manute's cycling club, they actually opened it up during the winter and they hired the track On a Wednesday night, so you can go down, pay your fee, and actually go and do some training. And for me, that was a safe place to bring Kila during the winter and actually get some road miles. So we'd experienced that aspect of it. I'd heard a lot from other uh, teams about last year. Uh, unfortunately, last year was kind of horrendous because it was in October. There was a lot of darkness and rain. So it was a very different event. And obviously, we were hoping, very, being very close to the longest day, that we were going to get you know, short darkness and long daylight hours and no rain, which thankfully we did. So for us, it was about uh, a new experience uh, and bringing together a team with uh, perhaps a different skill set and a different approach it was also about you know, Ushin, the organizer, coming to us and saying, look, we, we really want to encourage more uh, diverse teams in here. We don't have an all-female team. We'd like to, to have that, and we'd like you, to get you involved. So um, we we said straight away, yeah, we'll do it. Now, we probably could have put in two or three themes, but as you have seen from the weekend, it takes a lot of support. It takes a lot of management. Uh, my view and Alison's view was, hey, we we need to do this once. We need to do it as right as we can with one team. And it was really uh, an experience that you need to learn by doing. And you need to experience it to know what you might correct or do differently uh, next year. But for us, it was super, you know, it ran like clockwork. It was probably the biggest toll was on us, right? Uh, Myself and Alison in terms of zero sleep, uh, moving between the garage and the pit lane, making sure riders were coming back in on time. Etc. So uh, we never ever stopped. I'm not really sure uh, where Alison got the energy to keep going. It was fabulous, but we, you know, we certainly learn and adjust some things. But I think there was some uh, great advice that we got from Machine and anybody thinking about doing it from next year. That advice is there for any other participants or clubs that want to get involved. And other clubs absolutely came forward and helped us to make sure we were prepared and as ready as we could possibly be for the event.
0: Yeah, I know that Clonard CC were very um, generous with their time uh, throughout the course of the race for us. And we'll come to that in a minute. But Alison, what were you hoping to achieve with the team and and the particular team that you put together? Uh, Was it to win the race? Was it to just showcase the different variety of, of cyclists that you could bring together? And how did you come up with the rota of riders? How did you know to put Emma out first and then run the sheet through the riders after that?
2: I suppose initially the riders that were were chosen came from all different uh, aspects of uh, cycling. So we had road riders, we had track riders, we had endurance riders. You know, so in in our opinion, we had certainly got a good mix um, of of riders. We did different uh, mix of age groups. So we wanted to see how this was going to pan out, how they were going to actually get involved, how they were going to involve each other with regards to the crack during the night um in what they what they wanted, what they all wanted from this um race. And I suppose we didn't hear that word race an awful lot. It was more like the, you know, the crack in the camaraderie of the 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 cycle as such, as the team and um we went into it that we wanted to see what everybody could do, what the best times could become. And the way the rota panned out was um, it was really Colin who looked at that and the way that we decided to do, we would do a mix of riders with between age groups, abilities um, and put them out and see um, what, what way that would pan up. It was all open to change at any stage. But we didn't we didn't need to have to do that. And everybody did their fair share. And really realistically, if you look at it, everybody did equal amounts of cycling. We didn't say, well, we're going to put the fastest riders out for more um, and we'll hold back um, people who are tired. We didn't. We got people up out of bed during the night. Um, That had their few, you know, their few hours, you know, uh, sleep or just a rest on a chair and everybody was very willing and happy to do their bit. So I think um, the overall plan and the overall result really came into play and uh, everybody, I think everybody was very happy with
0: it. What, What intrigued me was how close everybody was in terms of laps. You know that for such a mixed group of abilities and mixed group of experience, that this the fastest lap and the slowest lap were all probably within a minute of each other, which is quite incredible when you think about it over the space of the, the 24 hours. Colin, do you want to jump in there maybe and talk a little bit about the, the strategy? Um, things did change throughout the, the event as well. I know Alison was key, uh, chatting with the guys from Clonard to change things from being initially a 30 minute rotation each and we run through the eight riders, then we moved into a a gung-ho, 20 minutes each, three or three lap, go out, do a lap, do a full lap, and then do a lap and come into the pit lane. And then things changed as we moved into the nighttime to give us an extra bit of recovery. And then we went back into 30 minutes on for the rider. And then you 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 made decisions on the fly, then after that, to give us the best chance to finish as high as possible.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh Joanne. I, I think um uh, just before I get to that, you know, one of the things that I think is important to note is that um, myself and Alison were not actually involved in the selection of the group at all, right? So there was a selection criteria that was sent out. And on purpose, because we had two potential riders, we excluded ourselves from that process. So, you know, Jen Bates, who would be riding National Series, you know, every weekend, and, uh, you know, other, other participants from the Women's Commission actually made that selection. But the selection ultimately makes itself because we attribute points to the different criteria that are, are, are made available. So um, just wanted to share that with your audience in terms of the process. So in, in terms of the um, criteria or how, what, how we went about what we were doing, you know, Alison's kind of mentioned it. Uh, it was myself who said to Alison, look, I, I think we should allow Emma as our most junior rider um, to have the honor to actually let, the, let the, you know, lead the team out, right? um so that was really the only thing we had decided upon and when we did the two training evenings um that showed us that there was really only 30 seconds between everybody's lap time so there was very little difference there was not there was nothing in it in terms of picking one rider over another it was more about what might happen to a rider in the middle of the night in the darkness how would people react to that and none of us knew you know, if this had been a three-day stage race or a five-day stage race, we know how to prepare for that. We've done it many times, and we, you know, we can predict pretty much what's going to happen. But we, we didn't know. But we, we didn't need to have any concerns with this team because we didn't have any issue. There was nobody who couldn't do the the uh, their, their stint and and do the the same times. What we tried to do, based on on some support from Ray in Clonard, he was very kind and he'd actually helped us last year. And he was one of the people who uh, who worked on the team for uh, Mall with us. Uh, and that's how we, we know it, each other. You know, he said, look, you need to see, is it better rather than going out and doing five laps? Uh, would it be better to do three laps? So a shorter stint and see, would we actually increase the, the speed and the times as a result? So the thinking was, let's move from the five laps we had been doing to three laps. And as you say, I was putting that in people's heads to say you're doing an out lap, you're doing one lap, and you're doing an in lap. So psychologically, I was trying to say one really fast lap. But actually, you know, everybody tried their, their damnedest. But actually, it was really, really marginal whether that was making a difference or not. So we said, actually, we need to opt for more uh, rest in between people's stints. And therefore, because there wasn't enough of a difference, we went back to five laps in that particular case. So that was, you know, one of the learnings we had. I think, you know, the other aspect is to make sure that we're supporting the riders in terms of uh, recovery, um, that people are getting an opportunity to have some sleep. Uh, you know, we, we, we did, um, some people thought we were crazy when they they came in and looked at us and we had a, you know, big screen and we had a microwave and we had, um, you know, a Berker boiler, you know, we had all the different things and people were looking at these have everything but the kitchen sink, but, you know, we, we used all of those things uh, to a lesser or different degree, depending on the riders, right? So it, we, we tried to bring as much stuff as we can to make sure we were accommodating the different riders and the things that they would need.
0: Colin, you are a parent of of Keila going into the race, similar to, to you, Alison, um, Emma's mum. Did that bring its own additional apprehension or concerns over what might happen out there? Or were you as nervous slash excited for the whole experience? Um, as a team manager and not just as a parent and we maybe come to you Colin first on that one
1: I think it's 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 a combination of all those things you're, you're always naturally uh, anxious um, the thing that Alison and I would say because we're regularly in the car together supporting the, the, the races is we just want everybody to get home safely uh, and that's first and you know foremost in our minds when we go out to support the race so that would have been the first thing that we would have been saying we just want everybody to be safe we don't only mishaps, you know, in the darkness or whatever else. Uh, but yet, you know, we we were very excited for the event. I mean, it was building for weeks. Uh, you know, we'd all been together a number of times training. So that excitement was that uh, was definitely there. And I think, you know, part of the role that we both had was to um be the chief energy officers, right? And keep everybody's energy up and the morale up, etc. because that's what's important in, in that event. And, you know, we we were all able to have a laugh. People were getting kind of used to each other and um, kind of getting to know each other a bit better by the time the 24 hours was finished, because apart from a couple of training spins, a lot of people had never met each other before. So I think it was great that, uh, you know, people have left, they've connected on social media, they're, you know, we're connected here this evening, etc. And I think that's what this is all about, because everybody's going back, they're talking to their friends and family about what their experience was. And hopefully that will encourage another batch of riders to come in for next year.
0: Absolutely. And then, Alison, in terms of your own experience, um, was there heightened levels of nervousness or apprehension because this was something completely new? You certainly looked like you were taking it all in your stride and you rarely sat down. I mean, you were on it like a car bonnet for the whole weekend. It was amazing to watch yourself and Colin and the communication and the level of support you were giving each other as well as all of us all the time.
2: Yeah, like as uh, Colin said, there was great excitement on the the lead up to it. Um, I think Ushin and Crew Mondello were very very supportive um, before the event occurred and any questions were answered. My main worry was the nighttime and how people would uh, you know get used to the course. Had they, there was the lights bright enough? How we were going to identify them coming around, um, which we we um, we got a little red light. And we put it on everybody's front um, bike, a solid light, so we could see them coming, um, which which was a, a big help. But I think. Um it was the fear of something going wrong and it could have been even just down to a a very simple thing like um, a puncture or anything which luckily we didn't have any mechanicals and how we were going to get them back if um if that was the case or to communicate i know all the riders did carry their phones um and so you know there was somebody looking after us the whole way out there that we didn't have any of those problems you know so it, it was good it was good I'm going to move
0: now to chat with some of our riders and I think we'll start with you, Sharon. How did your training differ over the past couple of weeks from when it was announced? It was early May. I think it was announced that we were all on the team. So did your training differ? What were you doing before the announcement? And um, did your training stack up and were you happy with how you performed over the weekend?
5: Yeah, um, my training didn't really change a whole lot coming up to it at all. I had gone to Mallorca to do um, some a week of climbing over there, which um, COVID put a stop to that, unfortunately. So I, I would have hoped to have been a bit stronger when I came back, but that just wasn't to be. But I would generally race a league race on a Tuesday night and a TT on a Thursday night and long spins in the weekends and a couple of more training sessions in there. Five days a week, maybe I'd be on the bike. So that really hadn't changed changed um, a whole lot. I had one or two sessions in the week leading up to it where I was on the bike three times in the day. So um once early morning, once in the evening and one one more maybe at about nine or half, nine at n- night. Nothing strenuous, but just to get my body used to doing something a little bit more often in a 24-hour period generally my my training hadn't hadn't changed because there Mandela was was a race on the horizon with other races coming up after it so it was just part of part of what I was doing really
0: yeah and and Keela, quite interestingly normally you would do a three-hour spin on a Saturday and a three-hour spin on a Sunday but this was three hours over 24 hours
4: um yeah so as I said like normally my weekend like I normally do Six days on the bike. So although I'm a track rider, I do crits in Corker Park every Tuesday night. Um, I have track league every Wednesday night, so I'm racing there. Probably up until May, I was doing road racing at the weekend as well, but all really just to complement my track and building this endurance space because I do endurance events on the track. So my main focus is uh, pursuits, individual pursuits, team pursuits, the likes of Omnium and Madison as well. So it didn't really change a whole lot, but um, for some reason, like I tend to be quite good, like just being able to go out on my own and just give it everything. Like it doesn't really faze me not being in a bunch. Um, I think that's down to the training I do for my pursuits. So normally, you now at Nationals, it will be a 3K pursuit. So the 3.5K laps, like I kind of knew like, okay, like I'm able to do this. Like this is what I do quite often. So I was just able to go out for those 30 minutes, push it to the max, and then come in, recover and go again. Yeah, it didn't really change that much, but it definitely, uh, as a whole, like the event complemented my training, I think. And then if we look at the other spectrum
0: of our cyclists, we maybe come to you, Laura, next, because you're not a racing cyclist. You've said you are a leisure cyclist. So what did you do to prepare for Mondello 24?
7: Well, this is where I completely lost when you say the word train and you're like, how did your training change? I don't know how to train. I don't have a training plan. I don't have a coach I just go out on my bike and enjoy myself and always have done. So, like for me, weekly cycling is you know, you go, I go on my clubs, my club spin on a Wednesday evening. That's DB Club, fantastic club here locally. And um, I go out myself as well once or twice a week. And I say, all around here is just all rolling hills. So, up and down the hills. And then, for the weekend, I would always do a good 100k spin at least on a Sunday again, again with my club. So, there's no, I don't know what structured training or any of these things. I mean, a, a lot of what was said in the pits, a lot of stuff that was discussed totally went over my head. I hadn't a clue what the half of people were talking about most of the time. And then warm-ups, I was like, I don't know what to do for a warm-up. So remember, I actually went over to Sharon, because now I did, I, I got the wobbles on Saturday before the whole thing started. I started to feel, oh God, I shouldn't be here. I, I don't belong here. I'm an outsider. This is terrible. I'm going to be awful. I'm going to let everyone down. Um, and I just asked Charlotte, I was like, what do I actually have to do for a warm up? So <laughs> it was a complete fish out of water experience, a big learning curve. But you enjoyed it? I loved it.
0: We, we'll come back to that. Dervla. Uh, what about you and training? You had been down in Connemara, I think, at the tour de Connemara, is that correct?
6: Aye, so filled up this year, rightly. We were in Mallorca at the end of March. Um, we spent four days there doing, doing climbs. I wouldn't really be used to the the speed or the sprinting would be more, I'd be more of an endurance longer ride. So we were in Mallorca, and then first thing up on the list was Connemara, Tour Connemara. That was three weeks out from Mandela. Two weeks out from Mandela was our local sportive, which I am managed to end up as the chairperson of Infinity. So it's a fairly, fairly stressful week that, but thankfully we got well supported from all, all the local clubs and it ran smoothly. The Sunday before Mandela was the Wicklow 200 which I can say was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, it was 12 hours altogether, including stops, but nine hours in the saddle, up and down hills, and wind and everything even managed to come off my bike that day. But sure, these things happen in cycling. But And during the week, I had to get in a few sprints with the club. So the club would, would have been out in their weekly spins, and I would just head off the front, do a three-minute work, and then let them catch up. As I said, I wasn't used to the sprint, and I was more endurance, but had to get it into the legs. Well, there was no stopping
0: you on the track. You were well able to get around that track very quick. Um, Grace, I'm going to come to you next. You had a very unorthodox lead up to your race because you got married in the weeks leading up to it. So how did your training change or did it change Um, or what were you doing as part of your build up to Mondello?
3: Yeah so I didn't do as much bike for the last three months as I would normally do because I was actually doing like a physique bodybuilding shit. So I have been doing a lot of lifting and a lot of strength to get ready for it and I finished it and had the shit about three weeks before I got married. So it was a chance to get in good shape and also look decent on my being decent neck for my wedding day. So although I'd still doing four or five days a week on the bike, it just wasn't like the hard intensity. I wasn't doing as many intervals. So still getting the miles in over the last three months, just not as many big intervals. Um, So like my my sprinting, my like my high-end engine just wouldn't be quite where it was. And so like once I got married then it was just head down and do tons of endurance, long spins um, even in the bad weather, get my butt onto the turbo. So um yeah, it did it did pay off, although I wouldn't say I'm as strong now as it would have been three, or four months ago. Um it definitely came back. I wouldn't say that I felt weak at Mondello, I felt kind of like I was in fairly decent shape, maybe not quite where I was, but not not massively far off it.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think you were getting stronger as the the time went on throughout the the 24 hours. You definitely were buzzing yeah. and and it looked like you were feeling stronger despite the fatigue and the time of day.
3: Yeah, I'm not a great sleeper. I think I said that to Colin Allison. Like it was before we went into the night, I was like, look, I get like three, four hours a night sleep. Um, and my wife can definitely atone to that. Um, because I don't sleep very well. So I'm like, look, if you need me you'll probably not wake me up because I'll be just sitting upstairs um, staring in the space. So like if you need me, I'll come down and help. Um, so like as as the night went on, um, I actually felt better. So yeah, <laughs> I felt fine. Emma,
0: you were still in school up until about two, maybe three weeks ago. you were training for Nationals and Mondello. So what did you do or did you do anything differently uh, to train for the 24 hour event?
8: Yeah, like my training didn't change a whole lot because like I have nationals this weekend, so I had to be quite specific on my training. Um I race normally like every weekend. I did a Gobi Classic a couple of weeks ago. So that's when I found that I really liked challenging myself. So that's why I did Mondello. I do crits every week with Keela as well. And all last summer I raced a Mondello crits. So it was quite normal to me to be on Mondello. So when I would go out, I'd try to find a wheel and just stick on it like I'm a very good crit rider. So the men probably didn't like me sticking on their wheel. But once I get a wheel, I can go as fast as I can. And that's what where the power comes Yeah, I saw you a
0: few times absolutely (laughs) nailing it. And never mind being stuck to a wheel, you were up the front driving the power and driving (laughs) the pace. Um, Many of the listeners will know that actually I had COVID about two weeks before the race and I had been traveling since um, early May with work. So I didn't have the the level of training I would like to have put in um, for the event. And I was really concerned about how my body would react to trying to push it beyond what I thought it was going to be capable of. And I think I said it in a text to the team at one point that I really thought I had bitten off more than I could chew by the time we got to Mondello, because I was in the unique position of being part of the team, but also being part of the crew for Mondello. So, Personally, I felt a huge amount of pressure. I think at the very start, when I was warming up, Emma had made a lovely slice of toast. She had done her rotations. I was the fourth rider out. She came over with the toast to eat it, and I was joking, saying, "I'm already toasted." And we were only about two and a half hours into the race, and I hadn't even been on the bike. Um, but it was definitely for me uh, one of the best experiences I've had in the last couple of years. Um, I've only done a little bit of, of of racing in the past year, I suppose, on the gravel bike more so than anything else and so for anybody who's listening in who's a new convert to the Try Talking Sport podcast firstly you're very welcome but second of all I had done some ultra racing I had been out on the bike at night um The biggest and hardest part, I think, of actually getting to the start line wasn't the training. It was the logistics in terms of the lists of things that we needed, the food, the nutrition, the actual gear. Like how many sets of gear do you actually need to bring in a 24 hour bike race? So let's talk about the logistics just a little bit. Who brought more than three pairs of shorts with them? Just put your hands up. Uh, Colin even brought more than three pairs of shorts with him so we've had everybody has put up their hands how long did it take for you to pack because my head was frazzled I think for the whole week I was picking bits and pieces up and trying to put them in a box and on the last day before I left here I was like I actually don't think I can do this uh, the logistics of this and I wrote the lists I know Colin had a little bit of a heart attack when he saw the lists but it, it was pressurized wasn't it I don't know does anybody want to jump in there um, and talk about the lists and all the stuff you had to think about Dervila, maybe you might jump in there for me on the on the lists and about what you thought about the preparation required before we
6: ever got to Mondello I was doing trips to Dunn's left right and centre by an extra layer thinking how cool this is going to be Two football bags full of stuff, as well as a grocery bag. My beautiful fold-out chair from Dunn Stores, as well as my dry robe. Three different hats. So many different pairs of shorts, a jersey, base players, socks. You name it, I had it there. I could have dressed the whole Manello. We actually
0: could have um, set up a wardrobe and donated half our clothes to the charity shop because we didn't need them. I see you laughing there, Grace. You had a lot of gear as well.
3: Yeah, like, you, you, you think, you underestimate how much you need, and, like, I was, I think I put into the group. I was at, on the very, like, the day before, I was at Chain Reaction and Decathlon, <laughs> not not buying a new bike, um, getting more kit, I was like, how much kit can I fit in my car, and I have quite a big estate, and it was absolutely filled to the brim, to the point where I messaged Colin, and I was like, are you bringing coke? Because I don't even have any room for any more tins of coke, um. So yeah, we were all. Can I just say, even though Hannah's not here, we were all really jealous of Hannah's style the whole weekend. Um, like my wife wants to be her. I said, and she was all biz. She wants her Crocs. Uh, she wants her hoodie. So yeah, um, we're missing Hannah today, but um, we definitely appreciated her style over the weekend.
0: I think at one stage she might have been in scrubs in the pit.
3: Yeah, I think she didn't have them. She had them with her. Yeah.
0: You're definitely wearing blue trousers anyway. Absolutely. And your chair was a godsend on the day and night as well. We do have the photographic evidence of Keela and Emma asleep on the fancy chairs. Um, Emma, in terms of the racing, were you excited? Were you nervous? What were you most looking
8: forward to going into the race? That night I got a text saying I was going to be first off. So I got very nervous then because... Like I knew everyone was going to be watching me. Like, if you see me on the start line, like there's a man beside me. I was pacing up and down, and he was like, Is she gonna sprint or something? And um, so I was quite nervous starting off, but once I get in focused, I can definitely like do my part. My mom was the one who's giving me the bike. So we had a lot of practice during the winter time of changing bikes because I do cyclocross. cross. So it came quite natural to us to jump on and just get straight on. Um, But my mum tried to turn it the other way, so I purposely would go the wrong way.
0: (laughs) Just to explain to people who weren't in Mondello, we had a Le Mans start, which meant that our riders were on the left-hand side of the track and our bikes with a single volunteer holding the bike was on the other side of the track and the riders had to run across the track and get on their bikes as fast as possible. And I think, Emma, you were second under the gantry. You were so quick and so efficient which was fantastic and a great start for the team on the day. Sharon, what was the bit that you were most apprehensive about coming into the event?
5: You know, I don't think I was apprehensive at all until I got there. And all of a sudden I got nervous. Um, once we all kind of met in 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 the garage, and we were looking at who was going to go out first, and all of a sudden I realised that it's you know generally when you're racing, you're racing for yourself, and you might have other team members in in the race, and you you look after each other, but generally I'd be racing for myself, and in this instant it, it just hit me that there were seven other girls on the team and you just didn't want to let anybody down and I think that was for me um the most apprehensive part of it but like that once the first stint was over that that nervousness was gone.
0: And what was the hardest part of the weekend for you do you think?
5: I suppose the the fueling part of it for me um even though I know what to eat and when to eat it and how to eat it and why I should eat it actually eating it when you're exhausted becomes very, very difficult. And um I, w- I was very lucky in that um my partner joined us at some point in the evening and he was able to look after that then for me. Once I got off the bike, I was given coffee or I was given a drink or I was given the food that I should have been eating. So it took the pressure of preparing anything off me. And it's I, I and I think we probably all kind of felt that um with Colin and Alison over the over the 24 hours that Really, your only job to do is get on the bike and do what you do best. Everything else was looked after. For us um, in some shape or form. And I I think that's what made it so easy.
0: And and a big shout out to Liam, because not only did he come in and mind us all like another big brother, we'll consider Colin and Alison, mommy and daddy, but Liam was like the big brother minding us, not watching us, minding us, but he was watching us to make sure we were all okay. Like the minute you got off your bike, he had a dry road there waiting for you. He had the recovery boots. He was helping people with stretches. He was giving advice. He was, Kind of taking a little bit of pressure maybe off Colin and Alison in terms of minding us and, and assumed that role, which was very much appreciated.
1: And just to, just to add to that for a second, because be remiss if we didn't, he didn't just look after the riders, but actually he looked out for myself and Alison too, because there were times when we just needed a cup of tea or something, because literally you had the time between a lap getting done, which was five or six minutes, to get back into the garage, maybe to make sure the next rider was ready, and then get back onto the gantry to make sure the rider was gone through, and they knew what lap they were coming in on. So, um, you know, kudos to him because he really did help us. Uh, and that would, you know, uh, form part of, you know, recommendations for next time. We 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 need more volunteers to actually be part of that um, management team to support it. But uh, Liam just fitted in perfectly, and it was great to have him there.
0: And his level of experience as well um, was, was hugely important. So Liam, if you're listening, you're booked for next year. Sharon you mentioned about the difficulty in trying to to fuel while you're on the bike and certainly that's so important because not only is the recovery off the bike important but getting the fuel back into you. So I thought it was Emma who was drinking the beans from a pink cup but I do believe maybe it might have been Keela who had the unorthodox way of refueling after her stint.
4: Keela what do you have to say about that? Well first of all I just want to say that the night before Everyone seems to be very stressed. But the night before, it must have been about seven o'clock, half seven, maybe eight o'clock. I was still on the walk bike doing my training, nothing packed. And I got a little FaceTime call from Emma. And Emma's like, Hi, have you packed? And I'm like, pack. No, I haven't packed. So I said, here, Emma, would you please give us a go your list? Just name out the things in your bag and I'll I'll do the same. Not one time was their cutlery mentioned in the list. So that is why I had to drink the beans. That weren't even my beans. I actually robbed them from Emma. I just got off the bike, saw the first thing in sight, and I was like, yep, I'll have them. So robbed their beans. And then I was like, lads, like, where's the spoons? Not a spoon in sight. So then, sure, I just said, well, I'm not wasting my energy walking down to the cafe. I'm going to be real recovered here before I go for my nap. So I just started drinking them out of the little container, and I didn't think there's anything wrong. But apparently, everyone thought that was mental. Let's just say it was a little unorthodox. But they worked, Keila.
0: They gave <laughs> you extra power. It was the protein in the beans? Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe maybe might come to you next.
6: Well, I'd done a stint at about one or half one. I went to the shower at two o'clock, and then I went to the twenty. Sorry, did you just morning.
0: say you had a shower? Yeah. Okay. Right. And then I went to the Sorry, cafe. Sorry, did, did anybody tell you I'm the only one that can be the princess on the team?
6: I didn't have a shower. Hi, Lon here. Hannah had three showers. She was the cleanest person there. Did she do any riding at all? No, geez, no. She spent all her time in the shower. <laughs>
4: anyway, continue your story there, darling.
6: So I went to the shower at about two o'clock and the cafe was open all night. And I was starving. So I went in there and got a curry chip and at half two, I was sitting eating a curry chip and drinking a can of Sprite thinking, what have I done with my life? Like, where? Where have I gone wrong? I feel like I'm coming in from a night out, sitting eating a curry chip at half two in a random place in Calair. You couldn't write it, like. Unbelievable. <laughs> 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 We're going to take a commercial break for a second. <laughs> like, I was wondering where my life went wrong. But Devla, was it one of the best experiences of your life? You, you you would swear it's coming in from a night of Javen, not after doing five laps of Mandela course, sat and eating the curry chip at half two on a Saturday night. Couldn't write it. There are worse places you could have been.
1: She was living her best life, enjoying every minute of a Fair play to you, you
4: know?
8: Absolutely. Living the dream, con. At least you were allowed to have chips. Me and Keela were robbed from the experience of eating chips. Yeah, our manager, um, Alison, said
4: no chips. So, of course, I had to send my sisters to sneak the chips and we did end up having chips, but Alison did not know. So this is
0: where all the stories come out in the wash. Should we just kick Alison and Colin off the call now so we can discuss freely and openly all the things we did that we shouldn't have done? Um, Laura, can I talk to you about the fueling as well and just see, you know, this was the first time you have done anything really like this before. How did you manage your fueling and your recovery?
7: Well, I mean, like I've done, and it was the first time I've done, like, like this. but I mean, I've done long spins before, like I've done wicklips, we a couple of times and things like that. So like, I have no problem. I'm the kind of person that, uh, like I can paddle a bike all day and all night. It's just, don't ask me to sprint, <laughs> you know? But it's in terms of feeling, like I didn't have a strategy because like I don't, I don't, ha- I don't know all the science. I did not have someone telling me what I should be eating and when I should be eating it. I just brought a big bag of stuff with me of stuff that I'd normally eat and I just ate what I'd normally ate. and just when I felt hungry. And and that was that. So I just had like I, I actually made a dinner of big turkey stir fry before I left and had it with me. And I made loads of sandwiches and um and just brought fruit and fury bars and cups of tea and that was me sorted.
0: Yeah, I think that was key as well for me. I didn't really go hell for leather on the sugary stuff. I tried to really watch what I was eating and get enough protein in after each stint without having too much carbs because I just didn't want the food resting in my belly when you're going out and you're trying to absolutely nail it. I, but I don't need to be puking on the side of Mondello as well. And if I had thought I had had curry chips and a Sprite at two o'clock in the morning, oh my God, Dervla, I actually think I'd be sick. But I can tell you now, the jellies and the marshmallows in the box were my lifesavers for the, the later rotations. And on my very last rotation, um, I actually took watered down Coke on the bike with me and it was the job. I, but I didn't really overeat. I was very conscious of not eating too much sugar and not getting that huge energy high and then maybe not being on the bike for two hours or also eating too much and then having it um lodged in my belly. At uh, grace, nighttime cycling. what did you think of it because I absolutely love it.
3: I had never cycled at night and I was the same. I absolutely loved it. I think I said to Colin also and like put me in again coach. Once I'd done my two stints at like half 12 and half 3, I loved it. Um, I was like, I'm buzzing to go out again. And it was still so fast. Like, I really thought that the times at night would be a lot slower because everybody's going to be more careful. You're kind of still a bit unsure of where you're going. Is everything going to be lit up? But actually, the times were as fast. And then I think my laps were faster um, than some of my daytime ones. So I absolutely loved the nighttime cycling. Although I went and bought loads of fluorescent kit. Um, from Chain Reaction. I've mentioned them twice, hopefully they give me a discount code now. Um, And did not use any of the fluorescent kit that I bought. (laughs) So I feel like I slightly wasted some money there. Um, But I'm sure somebody can invite me out nighttime cycling sometime soon. And I have a load of really nice kit from Chain Reaction.
1: Unfortunately, Hannah isn't here, but we learned that Hannah didn't have prescription glasses. And we realized that when she put on her regular glasses, that she could actually cycle faster in the dark. So, you know, there's some there really good tips like that that we learned uh, by doing. So uh, we we were calling her a bat, you know, because she could actually fly when uh, when it was dark.
0: Yeah, she was doing a little bit of meatloaf like a bat out of hell. She was flying around the track. Sharon, do you want to maybe talk about the track itself and and the wind? Because there was a lot of wind.
5: There was, and the wind changed as the day went on. I think the nighttime um, stints, that was when the wind was at its least powerful I suppose um, it, it was definitely easier to to handle it at night but during the day and at different times during the day and on different corners um, it was quite strong and the race tactics then would be to um, become part of a train or jump on the back of, of, of a couple of lads if you could find them that were out on the track at the same time that you were um, and it might be a case of where you'd literally have to burn a match to try and hold on to them but th- those couple of seconds of of really giving it your all just to grab onto the back of two guys that are going fairly fast um, meant that you didn't have that that headwind and you could hold on to some energy and, and do your laps faster. But yeah, the wind, I think, was, was probably the, the biggest um, hurdle for us on the track.
0: And it always seems that the wind was blowing as you were going uphill. Now, I know Mandela was relatively flat, but what was it about the wind blowing in the direction as you were going uphill? And if you didn't actually get onto the back of a train or get onto the back of a strong lad or lady out on the course, you died within the first 500 metres of it. Emma, I see you nodding your head. Do you want to jump in there?
8: Yeah. so like. The weeks before, I was quite nervous because I'm not a time trialist. Like I cannot ride on my own. So when the thoughts of having to ride on my own, that kind of scared me because the lap times, I didn't want to be letting down the team. So I was quite happy every time I'd find a group. So I would like literally burn everything I could to get on a group and then just sit on the back of the boys and just let them do all the work. I really enjoyed nighttime cycling because I never cycled before at night. Um, I think I was on my own a lot for the night time but it was quite good because the corners were so tight I actually couldn't see where I was going so maybe if I was in a group it could have been a bit carnage but thank god it wasn't. And then
0: Laura can I come to you and ask you about how you felt about you know cycling in a bunch like that in a, in a race effectively um, and what it was like trying to jump onto to the back of a group or maybe driving it on for a group were you nervous about that out on the course at any point or were you just taking it all in your stride?
7: I just take everything in my stride, to be honest, and just go with the flow. I struggled to get onto groups. Though. Um what I would find when I was out on track was you know, you'd come up to a group and maybe they wouldn't be going faster. It might be more the solo riders. So I'd just bob on ahead past them, keep going, because I said, well, I can do faster than me young. And any time I did manage to get onto a group that was going at a sort of speed that i wanted want to be going at, what would happen then is as soon as you'd come into a corner, and most of the corners, I don't know if, if it's just me who thought this, most corners were actually two corners in one. It was like two bends. Anyway, I'm not good on corners. I, I'm a bit of a chicken. I came off at of a corner once and just took the whole skin off the side of my face and had to get my lips stitched, etc. So ever since that day, i have lo- not so gutsy on corners. So I, if I got onto a group, anyway, long story short, by the time we'd get round the bends and then back up, there was always a hill after the bends as well, I'd end up losing them. So I never got on to a group for any length of time, maybe for about ten seconds max. So I actually did most of my riding solo on the course, and um, and that's why at the night time I was out. I did completely actually my night time, my, my whole laps, the whole night were completely on my own. So I found that so actually peaceful and and, and serene because you were just out. It was it was silence. There wasn't there wasn't the noise at the night time. It was dark. It was just these flickers of lights. And uh, I, 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 also, I, I find it quite nearly almost meditative, <laughs> shall I say. So, yeah, it
0: was lovely. Uh, what about you, Dervla, um, in terms of, of cycling fast in a bunch or trying to jump onto a train? Did
6: you enjoy that? Oh, here, absolutely. I wasn't so lucky at the start um, getting in a bunch, but as the evening and the night went on, I managed to get a bunch. But my, my last out, as I said, the Colin, when I got off the bike, I was like, you don't have a train, you make your own train. So I went out on my, my last stint and it was kind of like, all I can describe it as speed dating. So you come past somebody, right? Get on my way, let's go, let's work together. Come past the next person. Here, come on ahead, let's work together. And we we'll just keep rotating. And it would just give them the heads up when you come off the front and you join in behind, I think. By the time I'd done the first lap, I had five other riders with me and we just kept working together. Because we're all working towards the same goal, so we may as well work as a team to get there. But it was wild crack just coming past the lads. Come on, lads, let's go. And it did make such a difference. I think Colin and Alison
0: will remember me coming in on my fifth stint. It was the only time I got on a train. Really the only time. I mean, I had one rider ahead of me in my last stint, but I think I turned around to Alison and Colin and I said, I'm done now. That was absolutely exhilarating. Like I am absolutely buzzing now. I want to go back out again and I want to be on a train because it was kind of soul destroying in a way being on your own, wasn't it? With the the wind and you're going around and you're just hoping that somebody will come behind you and be fast enough that you can jump on their wheel, but not too fast that they'll ditch you within 10 seconds. Keela, I'm sure you didn't have that problem because of your sprinting and ability to jump
4: on the train straight away. Yeah, like I got on a good few trains to be fair. Um, and it was just about going as hard as you possibly could. Like once you found like a, a really good train, like you just have to give it everything to stick in. So there's one time I was on uh, like a really, really good uh, train. Like they're really like heavy hitters. And um, yeah, so I set out an extra lap just to try and get one more done for everyone. And then like that was good. But then there was definitely times on your own where it's just absolute torture and you're just giving absolutely everything but the wind is just so strong because it's so open at Mondado. But no, um, it made you appreciate really when you got on a train, it was it really appreciated it because you had so much time on your own as well. And I think as well, there was a lot of
0: camaraderie out on the course. I don't know if you felt it, maybe because I was announcing the event, a lot more people knew who I was. I don't know. But I definitely felt like every rider that came past me in a train was like, come on, Joanne, jump on the back. And I'd be like... Yeah, no problem. Bye. <laughs> but it was lovely. Um, The camaraderie out on the track. I think when you when you got into a train or you were able to pull somebody around, especially a solo, you felt kind of good as well that you were helping them. I don't know if that's the same with everybody. I'm conscious of the time and we have been chatting for, I'd say, pretty much an hour at this stage. So would you do another ultra event? Quick fire round. Sharon, yes or no?
5: Yes,
4: for sure.
0: Keela, yes or no?
4: Yes, definitely.
0: Grace? 100%. Dervla? Oh, I, yeah, without a doubt. Laura?
7: Absolutely.
0: Emma? Yeah, 100%. Alison?
7: Yeah,
2: great. 200%. And Colin? Definitely.
0: Okay, so now now we have a yes, yes, yes for the for the next ultra race. We'll have to pick something that we're going to do. Looking back on what we achieved at the weekend, if you were to do another ultra race, if you were to do Mondello again,
6: what would you do differently? And Derville, I'll come to you first. Uh, I would probably think about my sleep a lot better. Lack of sleep was a real killer for me. Um, Probably recommend bringing... Sleeping bag, pillow, bed, uh, whatever tent. Even if you needed that, there's a lot. There's a lot of campers about that night, and I was very jealous. But I think I had a, a wee snooze and six chairs upstairs, and then of course my dad's chair helped me out a lot. Grace, uh, what would you do differently?
3: Yeah, as Colin said, uh, just try and learn to sleep more. That would be great um but i think some of the girls brought a blow up bed um i had a sleeping bag and i was very jealous even though i didn't sleep um i had like a 20 minute nap i really missed not having an actual bed to sleep on and my back was a bit sore from just sleeping on the floor so i think definitely bring a blow up bed and i think the thing i learned as well is i thought this was going to be an endurance event it's not really uh, an endurance event from what you actually think. And the reason is you're doing like four to six laps. So it's more of like being able to recover from hard efforts. It's kind of more like you're going to FTP um, or, you know, close to it and then recovering and then doing the same again. So I think I would slightly change my training. Not so many long, long spins. Um, and more like hard efforts, recover hard efforts. So I think slightly change my training and bring a bed and also drink beans because like it worked for Keila.
4: And speaking of Keela, what would you do differently? I have to say like I was quite happy with um what went on and like my plan and everything. One thing I would change is make sure not to be in the sleeping rotation with Emma beside me because Emma kept playing these freaky try and fall to sleep videos that were at Absolutely terrifying and there was this like strange man talking to us like relax your legs and I'm there like girl young one I'm trying to go sleep here and as much as I love her we got woken up at 2am Allison and I fell out of the bed. I didn't know what time it was. And all I could hear was, Emma, you have to get up now, not in five minutes. So you know, maybe next time I'd bring some earplugs. <laughs> I'd move the blow-up bed away from the young one. But no, I'm only messing. She's my best friend, so I love her. But I have to say, those were the most funniest moments of the whole 24 hours for me. The sleeping <laughs> or lack thereof, I should say. Uh
0: Laura, what would you do differently if you were going to do it again?
7: Um, I might look up some of these fancy words that the people were using in the pits, all this training malarkey, so I could actually join in the conversation and not just be so lost all the time.
0: <laughs> you learned plenty
6: over the weekend. You're grand. You, you, you'll be fine. Dervla? Well, I would suggest that you should bring like a fork and a spoon maybe for the beans. <laughs> so you just drinking out of the actual tub, just to block out the haters. I'm unique and there's nothing wrong
0: with that keep it that way well done that is so true don't lose your identity um Sharon what would you do differently and don't say it leave Liam at home because we need him the next time
5: Mm, we'll see we'll see I think the exhaustion and the sleeping I think that that would be I changed that a little bit I mean something really small like an eye mask which I use regularly at home I forgot and I know that that would have helped me a little bit you know and just to try and manage that A little bit better, I think, would have would have stood to me and drinking. And I know Alison kept saying, you're not drinking enough, girls, you're not drinking enough. And she said it over and over. And I was I I was listening to her, but I I could have drank more for sure.
0: Okay, that's good advice. And Emma, what would you do differently other
8: than play maybe some different type of sleep music or talking? (laughs) It actually worked for me, so I don't have any complaints. Definitely, though, me and Keela had a whole set up. We had our beds, our pajamas. (laughs) We had our two sisters. Uh, slaving away at us and our eye masks but definitely I would change probably my food like I should have eaten more meals than snacking which is kind of hard when you only have maybe three hours in between each one so
0: perfect and then uh, Alison what would you do differently? Oh I think I would have left Emma
2: at home (laughs) No way (laughs) No. Oh Emma can be a diva in the middle of the night and I my main worry was when she was up there uh, with Keela in the room asleep I thought oh no this is going to be difficult to get her up. But Keela was saying there it was um it was headspace Keela. I must get it for you mindfulness. <laughs> That's what was setting uh, Emma asleep. We we had heaters. We had two heaters, which were probably a big mistake. And um, we needed them during the night. And um, they were hired heaters from Cal's Hire. However, they kept blowing the the fuses. So did with when somebody, one of the other teams had turned a kettle on. So we had a plenty of trips up and down to the fuse board. We had a microwave. Grace had brought her, her coffee machine. Like we had toasters. We had everything that, that, that was needed. Yes, beds, maybe a camper van, I think, next time to take out. Because on, unfortunately, all these things took up an awful lot of room, Whereas there was only ever kind of four girls I'm getting ready to ride where the other four were resting at any one time we just seem to be very very short on space you know
0: yeah and we were sharing the pit with a number of other people as well which was great fun but it is limited space so an advice to any of the teams that are doing the event next year maybe look at your own uh, kit list and a camper van or a caravan is definitely um, a good idea Colin from your perspective um, anything you do differently next year
1: deliver it on speed dial to make sure the food is coming in. Uh, you know I think a few pizzas would have went down well at one point uh, for sure uh, despite the fact that they're carbs. I think um, you know we, we probably were over we over egged and overestimated the challenge it was for myself and Allison. Uh, we loved every moment of it but I think uh, we probably need at least another two people to uh, to give us a bit of a break so that you can actually go and, and have a meal. And just go and rest yourself. Uh, it, it's it, 24 hours is the right, but we were there three hours in advance, and then you're a couple of hours by the time you get the place packed up and and get yourself home. So it's a it's a long period of time to be on your feet and and going. But I think uh, in terms of the logistics, I think we covered off nearly every single other thing that we would have wanted to do. So I was very happy that between the, the, the riders and ourselves, everything was there. You know, uh, Alison had brought the Wahoo kicker with a bike on it. So we weren't having to change into different things. Uh, People had access to that and they could just jump on that, do do whatever was suitable for them uh, before they went out. And, you know, Laura took full advantage of that, even though maybe she didn't know what you needed to do, but uh, everybody knew what they needed to do and were doing it by the time it was finished. And, you know, uh, Laura and Deborah have talked about the fact that they're kind of leisure cyclists or endurance cyclists or whatever. I have to tell you that the kit that they were riding and the bikes that they had were as good, if not better, than the rest of the ladies. So uh, they have all the uh, ingredients to uh, to go and fly. Absolutely brilliant.
0: So as you know, Hannah was unable to join us live for the recording of the podcast, but I did manage to catch up with her over the weekend. So before we get into the final question to our riders and our managers that join me live on the night, we'll chat with Hannah. So Hannah, tell me a little bit about your background in cycling because you were with UCD Cycling Club, even though you've just moved to Galway, you are a member of UCD Cycling Club.
9: Yeah, so <laughs> literally only just bounced to Galway in the last like two weeks. But yeah, no, I went to college based in UCD, so that's how I'm cycling at UCD. I've been racing with them since last year. Um, I only took up cycling, bike racing in 2021. Um, After COVID, I had predominantly been doing triathlon, the Piranha Triathlon Club, and had represented Ireland at age group level. For some reason Belonged to me, I was just like, oh, you know what? We'll try this bike racing crack. And that's what I did last year. And then soon enough, I got hooked and then just got sucked into this amazing community of people that I've definitely made lifelong friends with now. Um, I just love it. Like there's just no buzz like it. So you are
0: normally cycling in a bunch, tearing down the road, working as part of a team with your colleagues or your teammates from UCD, but you've never done anything like Mandela 24 before.
9: No, I'd never done anything like Mondello. The bunch racing as well, I'm only kind of getting to grips with it because normally it's the same for everyone. You're normally out the back before you're out the front. So um, finally getting to grips with that. But yeah, no, Mondello, I'd never done anything like that before, especially in the dynamic that we were doing it as a big team. Like the solo cyclist, like when you look at that, like I'd done... One big mad thing during COVID, I did like 247 kilometers in my turbo for a wear. Yeah, one day <laughs> for the crack, but um, to raise money for charity. But that was the extent of it. So like I'd never done anything as a team aspect like a Mondello where we were going hard for certain stints. So it was definitely a different dynamic and it was really cool to try it out. Why did you apply to be on the team? So it was really funny. I just said, I was like, oh, that looks like a bit of fun. Do you know what? Let's have a bit of crack. So I signed up for it didn't think I'd actually get picked for it in the end. So I was like, oh, surprise, I'm on a team now. So it was really like, it was more like, oh, we'll just sign up and see what happens. Like, and see if it looks, because it sounded like a bit of crack anyway. So I was like, ah, oh, that'll be fun. And then I really liked the idea of having an all women's team and something like that, because cycling, as you know, is such a male dominated sport that we really need to encourage more women to participate in it. And I thought, Jesus, this is a perfect opportunity just to get out and give it a go and kind of get more people and more women involved in it.
0: And I think all of us were kind of shocked when we saw our names or saw our emails come through to say, we're delighted to inform you. I was like, I'm off to America. I won't get any training done. And then I got the bloody COVID. Um, So I didn't get an awful lot of training done. But in terms of training for the event versus um, the bunch racing and the shorter races maybe that you were doing, did your training change from when you were announced on the team to Mondello or did you just keep doing what
9: you were doing normally? I basically kept doing what I was doing normally because when it was decided what our plan was going to be in Mondello, like I didn't really have to change anything for it. And um, it was basically to me, it just seemed like we were going to do six like crit races in 24 hours. So I was basically just going out and attacking it as if it was a crit race. And then obviously we were all obsessed with being on the choo choo train. So that's all I was thinking about. Anytime I got on the track, I was like, get in a train. <laughs> that was all that was going through my head. Like, so I had raced a crit race in Galway the week before and I was like, just sit in, go hard, that's what we have to do next week. And that was all I was doing. Like,
0: <laughs> And it actually was like a crit race. If you were lucky enough to get on the back of a train now, not all of us got on a train every time, but it was exhilarating getting on the back of the train. The
9: initial part of it is very hard. It's painful. It wasn't going to be easy. But once you're in the group, it brings you along. It sucks you along. You've no choice but to stay there. You have to work a little bit harder. But at the end of the day, you're actually working easier than you would be on your own. And it just, it saves time in the long run. so
0: And especially as the wind was always into our faces when we were going the uphill sections, uh, the inclines aren't very high in Mondello. I mean, it is a flat course, but by golly, by the time you went around the track on the fifth one and you didn't have a train to
9: be sitting behind, you were just going, what am I doing here? Yeah, the wind, that was probably, I think the wind was probably the hardest thing for me. I was just like, oh my God, whenever I was by myself, if I was by myself and there was that slap of wind in the face, that was the one thing I was just like, oh, get me out of here. (laughs) And of course, everybody on the team loved your Crocs and your scrubs. Yeah I love my Crocs I have like several pairs of them I have a little bit of a collection going on I wear them at work I wear them at home I wear them to races but the new pair I have yeah they're a bit flamboyant I suppose they're black and zebra print with rainbow stripes all over them but um I rocked up in them and then yeah the scrub pants that everyone's repairing to they're actually my hiking pants that I wear up the mountain so I can be seen in case I get lost or something (laughs) so I kind of have like a team to all of my stuff (laughs) I just like to be seen I suppose and then yeah, I was going around with my Sherpa hoodie as well. I know Sharon wasn't very impressed at the start. Like, so I can't be seen with you. And I was like, Well, you're stuck with me for 24 hours, so <laughs> better. Yeah, enough. it was a bit, it was a bit like me walking around in the middle of the night in my pajama bottoms over my cycling shorts. <laughs> <laughs> that was great too. Good fashion it was yeah. just so
0: but it was just so comfortable and you just <laughs> felt so comfortable because there was great crack and camaraderie, not only between our team, but within our pit and then with the other teams and stuff as well. There was great fun to be had. It wasn't 100% serious all the time when we were on the track and when we were warming up there was maybe 40 minutes of where you were just getting really focused on going out and giving it socks but other than that it was it was a great fun in between each of our rotations
9: yeah oh no such good crack like I don't think I've had as much fun with like people in my entire life like it was just it was great and um, such good laughs to be had like and just so many jokes made like so Definitely don't think you can beat it anyway.
0: <laughs> so, you mentioned there that it was like doing six crit races in 24 hours. How did you fuel those hard rotations and how did you
9: recover after them? So, I found it hard kind of at first when our plan was changing in terms of fueling. But for me, fueling was easy enough because I kind of have a set pattern and a routine for what I do. So, like 30 minutes out, I'd have some caffeine. An hour before, I'd be some carbs and I'd be drinking. I drink a lot of like nutrition so i drink a lot of carbs through the bottle as well and then afterwards i kind of wait a few minutes and just try to get something into me like a protein shake fueling obviously is so important so like by the end of it i was kind of starting to feel the effects because it is hard to do it over 24 hours i found it fine but that's just because i've done work with evan lynch before so he kind of has me like tailored into it so i have it like all set out in my head but um i did start to get hungry and all i was craving was a curry during the night like that's all i wanted was curry (laughs) And did you have it? No, because I missed it. It was all gone. Oh, no. <laughs> if
0: you look back at the, the race now and your prep for it, I know it was a bit crazy for you because you had that move to Galway from Dublin just before the race. But is there anything you'd do differently if you were to do Mondello again?
9: Um, I'd have more rest before it. I definitely did not have enough rest going into it. Um, Just but as you said, like the moving and everything and the working. And then I was just on the go constantly for like the last month since like it, since the Galway Classic actually mid May I've kind of been non-stop so I would definitely be aiming for more rest before it that would be probably my number one thing and uh, other than that I don't think I do anything too much differently. And would you do another ultra would you go like a four-person
0: team do you think for something or would you consider going long yourself to do something? Yeah to be
9: honest I've I remember it was last year at Rosslyn. We were talking about it and the UCD team. I'd actually love to go and do the Donegal Five Five Five. That'd be something down the line that I definitely love to go into. Um, I think the ultra cycling is amazing. Like, and I just think it's kind of a different type of challenge. And I just have that kind of mindset where I can keep going and I'll just push the limit. Um, I have. The, I just. I never want to give up. So I think that down the line, that's definitely something I will look into.
0: And if you were to give one piece of advice to anybody who's listening to us now,
9: who's contemplating putting a team into Mondello next year, what would it be? Oh, my God, just do it. Such a good crack. Like just to give it a go. And like, if there's any women listening, definitely just do it. Give it a go. If you're wondering about it, don't sit in the fence. Just get on, get on the bike and just do it. Because you don't want to be sitting around wondering in the next year or two what could have been. And um, it's definitely the best thing that I've ever done was actually start racing my bike because it's just I can't even describe it it's just such a good community to be involved in but you'll always see a cyclist out in the road and then there's so many clubs to join in like every area like I'm blown away I live in the middle of nowhere now and there's about five different cycling clubs around me I'm like this is mad and it's just it's so nice like there's always someone to touch base with and it's just it's a really really nice sport to be involved in I don't know why I waited so long to get involved in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what a lot of people would say is like they, they've waited a long time to get involved, but it was so much fun across the weekend. There was such a mix of age groups and such a mix of abilities and experience, but it didn't really matter because we all had the one goal, which was to
9: race as hard and as fast as we could over the 24 hours. Oh, absolutely. Like the team was amazing. Like it just it just goes to show like it doesn't really matter what your background is. If you bring the right type of people together, we all had the same goal, as you said. If you bring the right type of person together, the end goal is always going to be the same. We're all from all different walks of life, but we all got on so well. We gelled together as a team. And to be honest, I think that's what was most important. And I think the fun aspect was definitely there. Like it wasn't just serious the whole time. made sure to have a lot of fun. And I think that's what's so important in sport is to just make sure you're having fun as well as doing what you want to do and do well as well.
0: Absolutely. We had TikTok videos, we had reels, we had funny photographs being taken of us doing stuff and just to have, there was loads of fun
9: in it really, wasn't there? Oh God, yeah, 100%. Like it was probably the most fun I've had in a while. Like.
0: Yeah. If I could ask you what the one highlight would be from the event, if you were to pick one, what would be
9: the highlight of the event for you? Um, I think the nighttime riding was definitely my highlight. The first stint I did in the dark, and the jokes have been cracked obviously because I wore my glasses <laughs> so I could see so I was like oh maybe I should be wearing these all the time uh, so yeah no I think the nighttime riding was definitely my favorite part I had so much fun and yeah my faster splits around nighttime which was hilarious as well but um definitely the nighttime riding and the crack that happened at night because I really come alive at night being a nurse and everything so I was like this is fantastic <laughs> Thanks Hannah,
0: that was great. We'll now rejoin our team managers and the rest of our riders to finish out the podcast. I'm going to come to the final question now and that is to ask you what was the highlight of the 24 hours for you? And I'm going to start with Laura.
7: That's a very hard question. To be honest, the highlight of the 24 hours was when I'd come in, when I'd come in off my my last shift, got off my last lap, got off the bike and just Colin and Alison just congratulating me and telling me that I'd, I'd done fantastically, even though I knew you were probably lying. But um, just the fact that they were still trying to support me and built me up, even though they were must have been so wrecked, tired. And, you know, they just left me on such a high and thinking, my God, maybe there is things out there that I, I actually can do. So that was right. fantastic, the support.
6: Brilliant. Uh, Dervla? Well, it'll be one of two, and they both involve Hannah. So we're in the pits, having a crack, Colin said something and Hannah goes, who's Hannah? And we're all like, um, you. <laughs> She's obviously delirious at this stage. <laughs> and then the wee dance me and Hannah had before our last lap, so it was good crack. The vibes the whole 24 hours was deadly. Everyone keeping each other going. Yeah, it was brilliant. Grace?
3: I think like just for like one of my last uh, stints, I think it was Sean and Liam had handed me their, one of their like dry robes. Um, and it kind of just like right when I was about to get out I was waiting on a rider coming in and I was like oh I just happened to say I'm cold and straight away they ran over and got me a dry robe and I think that kind of sums up the team spirit um, and I think just like near the end when everybody was coming off and everybody was giving each other high fives and fist bumps and probably the the very big highlight was me and Colin and all the McHales at the wall at the end cheering Keila on and like the epic photos like that even though everybody was absolutely knackered um because like obviously we'd had a bit of kip Colin had been up the whole time we were there cheering Keila on and we were still having the banter and still having the crack and I think the the photos all kind of show that
8: brilliant Emma and probably the raves with Colin at the end but um no definitely the start of the race when I did the Le Mans start like everyone could see how nervous I was and they all kind of stood at the barricade behind me and they were like going through the emotion with me it was like they were all running with me they were all jumping on the bike like I didn't feel on my own and it was definitely like the team support and just having everyone there like these girls who I've met two hours before the race, like becoming my best friends. Like it was just really nice to have. Brilliant. I love it. And you did such a good job
0: at the Le Mans start as well. So you were the perfect choice. Sharon?
5: I think for me, the the last couple of hours Of The race from about 10 up until about noon. And I I had finished my my stint at that point and I was hanging out over the wall watching and especially towards the the, the last half an hour when the riders were were doing their last few laps coming to the very end. And I was looking at, at every shape and size cyclist, every kind of bike, every age. And big smiles on their faces and the cheers that were going on um, all along that wall and the encouragement, because we'd all done a part of it. We all knew how hard it was. And I I, I think it was just it was just fantastic to watch. And everybody got faster, you know, as the last few, not slower, there were, it was actually getting faster, and the buzz was fantastic. And I suppose, as far as our own team, the, the highlight looking at the other seven girls and my and myself and and our managers not a single person complained the whole time that we were there not once from anybody at any point at any stage not a single complaint did i hear and i think it, it just it, it was it, it's a testament to the, the the team that was put together and how well they gelled so quickly and everybody knew what what they had to do and everybody knew how to do it and i think you could see the characters that were built over that 24-hour period and i think that for me was the the highlight
0: that's brilliant. And then Keila, obviously doing the fastest lap was a highlight. But other than that, what was your highlight for the weekend?
4: I think like the two of my best highlights, um, one, just how well we all gelled. We all got on just so well. And like most of the girls, like I'd never met before. We just really got on so well. Like in the middle of the night, from the start, start to finish, we were all smiling. And then I think as Grace mentioned, like my like true highlight for me um was the last stint that I did was to close us out on the 24 hours. So it was really a special moment for me, like finishing it off and like seeing my whole family there cheering me on and like all my really good friends and all my teammates just supporting me. So that was really special as I crossed the line. Yeah, it was fantastic to watch as well. You're
0: speeding along under the checkered flag. It was brilliant. Uh, Alison, for you, there must have been so many highlights because you and Colin saw everything. So while while we were resting or we were cycling, we were missing out on some of the highlights that might have happened. So there might be things that you guys saw that we didn't see. So what were your highlights uh, from the weekend other than trying to wake up Keela and Emma in the middle
2: of the night? It was the whole camaraderie ship of, of the team. But I think... Um, Probably Colin dancing and uh, you uh, Joanne doing the TikToks and your yoga positions and your debt positions and and you know, well it was great crack and to watch you know it get bright so early kind of at you know half four half five in the morning you know and then. Um, you at every chance back into the car and going around Mondello who so were taking photographs from the boot of the car, things like that just made it all come together to see like all the work that has been put in by everybody um, as well as the riders but by, by everybody and the, sh- the sure enjoyment of it all and your whole commentary um, at the start and at, the, at the, the finish the start for me probably was the biggest highlight because you know I was standing beside people I didn't know holding the the bike and we had such um such a laugh chat and you know shouting at the riders across the way turning the bikes the opposite way as if are going to send them back around the, the track the opposite way just messing uh you know it was it was surely a great um laugh from start to finish yes we were all very tired um and yes we certainly did deserve complete sleep after it all but um certainly with two two people um you know trying to coordinate a team it is it is difficult and this is where yes we we would need more volunteers uh, next year and Liam was absolutely amazing you know thumbs up to Liam all the way so yes uh, we can have his recovery boots again next year
0: We'll bring him along as well for the crack. He was great at putting on the CBD uh, gel as well from newest on us. We'll bring him back for that as well. Colin, a highlight for you or a couple of highlights, maybe similar to Alison. You were trackside for 24 hours.
1: You know, there's a number of highlights. You know, you had this, um, firstly, you had this crazy chick who said, look, I'm on the MC. Like, leave me alone. Don't put me in for the first uh, little few rotations, like I, I need to find my leg. So, you know, when we all adjusted to you, we all we all gelled and it was great, you know. So I said, no need to worry, she'd be fine, she'd be okay. So, you know, when, once I got the team around you, it was, it was fine. Um, I would say the energy, you know, everybody was buzzing, everybody, there was nervous energy, there was laughter, there was fun, we were dancing, there was TikToks being done, there was boomerangs that you were asking us to do. just added to the whole atmosphere, right? Because you need that. You you need that to sustain you through the 24 hours. Uh, We needed it just as much as you guys needed it. And I think that was an important piece. Um, So I think, you know, I'm only echoing now the stuff that everybody said. But for me, you know, the special moments that Matthew Lysett was able to capture of of us um, with with Grace uh, and the rest of our family looking down... And actually, cheering Keela on, you know, that is a special memory in terms of that photograph. Um, but I'm just proud of the whole team because everybody did their part. Um, you know, I had this crazy spreadsheet that I showed Alison in advance, and she said, hmm, We'll have to see how that works out, but you know, it did, and uh, we kept to it pretty much. Yeah, we changed it up from five laps to three laps, but everybody was able to play their part, we didn't have any hiccup, and I think you know, we 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 catered for them because, you know, we'd, we'd spare bikes, we'd spare wheels, we'd spare everything. And, um, you know, we were as prepared as we possibly could be. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely on for doing it again, if I'm in a position to uh, to contribute to that and, uh, would look forward to meeting every single person on this team on the road somewhere, uh, over the next number of months or whether it's, uh, you know, Mondello again next year, but, uh, yeah, definitely hundred percent, amazing experience. And, uh, you know, it was a new experience for us as it was a new experience for the riders.
0: Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And I suppose for me, as I have mentioned earlier and, and you've alluded to, I was emceeing it and riding it. So it was really interesting being on both sides of the track. It was hard at times because I felt like I was kind of torn between needing to be in the pits and hanging out with the team and then needing to be on the track and doing the track thing or going around to all the other pits and talking to everybody else because that was part of what my role was for the weekend for me, the biggest concern at one point was at midnight, I hadn't actually sat down. So I was going into my break per se with my long break until three o'clock, I think was when I went out on the, on the bike again, but I hadn't actually sat down for more than maybe 10 minutes since nine o'clock that morning. And all I kept thinking was, Joanne, you need to sit down, you need to lie down, you need to sit down. You're absolutely not going to be able to do the next few stints. You have to recover. And thankfully, I did manage to lie down for about, I'd say, 20 minutes at one point and get a few minutes sleep. Um, But for me, definitely coming into the team, knowing the strength of the riders that were on it, of the people that I knew of, I was really nervous. But there was no need for me to be nervous because this was one of the most welcoming group of people I have ever had the pleasure of walking into everybody was equal we were all there with one goal and that was to ride as hard and as far and as fast as we could every time we went out on the on the course and for our managers to facilitate that in whatever way they possibly could i think we've probably bonded for life as a group i know it sounds really cheesy but i really hope that we get to meet up again at another point and that we're all lucky enough to be selected again for the women's commission and that we've hopefully inspired some other people to take a leap of faith and to just think, do you know what, when it goes up again, just apply for it. It doesn't matter what level of cyclist you are, what experience you have. If you have a bicycle, a helmet and you're up for the crack, then just go for it because you never really know where the road will lead you. Thank you so much to all of you, to Colin, to Alison, to Keila, Sharon, Dervila, Emma, Laura, Grace and Aunt Hannah. A huge thank you for everything that you did to support me, each other. So congratulations and well done to all of you and the very best of luck to all of you in whatever you get up to for the rest of the summer. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this show. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by, say hi, let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests finally be sure to sign up to our e-zine featuring articles of interest some great discounts and the inside track on supporting your triathlon and endurance sport journey wherever it may take you sign up on www.tritalkingsport.com it takes just 30 seconds and i promise i won't bombard your inbox with emails just the good stuff until next time stay safe keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day